it's really as simple as this. You know, once you have your identity created or your, your basic information, you need to get yourself on what I call a novelty ID, right? You know, you can find it at Reddit, you can find it on Twitter, et cetera. And eventually, somebody says, here's the $5 credit line. And that's when you're off the races. Introducing the Protectors. Inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI. Leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mike Carroll and International VP Mark Solomon. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Carroll, co-host of our podcast. We're welcoming you to Chicago. We're here for our annual conference here at the great Sheridan Grand Hotel right on the river in Chicago. I am from Chicago. I love this town. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, don't, I think I'm losing my voice from all the networking and relationship building. So, uh, Or at the Hall of the Moon, too. <laughs> we won't go there. Uh, but now doing great, and I can't believe it's day four already. I'm excited. Our next guest is Steve Lindemann, who's a Director of Strategic Fraud Prevention for ADP. He's also our Vice President of the Delaware Valley Chapter. So, Steve, appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, looking forward to these things are always fun. Uh, big fan of uh, you know doing these presentations and being at the conference. So, Steve, what do you think of the conference so far? How's it been going? It's going great. Listen, and people are worried about the size and who's going to be here, but I actually like it just a little smaller because I'm really able to really network and build relationships and see people. You know, instead of this mass of humanity, it's just easier to get around, easier to get things done, and people seem to be a lot more approachable. Um, you know, despite things, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. You know, I've been to some of the big ones before. And it's just, it's so much better here to be able to actually like, accomplish things. Steve, I want to talk about a couple of things you've been doing for the organization over the past year or so. Obviously, COVID hit us pretty hard and kind of changed the things and, and spun them around for us. So uh, our normal ways of communication and networking really got disrupted. So I know you've been a big a proponent in stepping up and helping the organization communicate better during these times. Can you tell us some of the projects that you've done for the IFCI? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, being in the corporate world, you know, we all shifted to work, remote work, et cetera. And even prior to that, uh, my role with ADP, I, I was on the road quite a bit and, and really, uh, you know, had a home office. So, you know, to be on WebEx, to be on Zoom, Teams, whatever, was really uh, nothing new to me or a lot of our, you know, people I worked with. So, one of the things we did was switch our chapter meetings right from in-person to virtual. And, you know, those folks that were in corporate America, it was a relatively easy switch. Uh, those who were not, we needed to really get them up to speed. And, and so that's what I started to do is not just with our chapter. Any chapter was out there needed help uh, with those platforms. And the, the international chapter uses WebEx, which is what we use at ADP as well. Uh, you know, no shameless plug there intended, but, you know, so... I'm pretty good at WebEx, and so one thing I was trying to do is help the international office, our chapter, anybody out there who needed help with WebEx, you know, to, you know, really maximize use of the tool, because despite the fact that we were stuck at home, there were actually a lot of things you could do with WebEx that we couldn't do in person. You know, the ability to do polls and questions and record things and, and bring in guest speakers that you normally would have to pay and fly them in, now you could do from you know your bedroom or your living room or wherever so uh, that was one thing we looked at really was is working with the webex stuff uh, and then obviously mobilizes another thing we've been working on as well that's kind of our internal linkedin version for ISCI, a uh, great little tool there. Uh, I love the fact that you can do events and things on it. The news feed is also very uh, helpful as well. And so when, you know, again, even while here, did a quick training for the BSA working group and a few of the chapters, Nevada chapter, and I believe 
the Carolinas chapter now want me also to kind of help, you know, help them with Mobilize. Great, great. Hey, Steve, can I ask you, how long have you been a member of the IFCI? I've been here uh, for 14 years now, you know, really steadily becoming more and more involved over the last couple of years, you know, getting involved with obviously presenting and then uh, connecting more with the original chapter presidents and board members, and really now trying, you know, as I say, work myself into the next group, but to keep, you know, building because the the group is so dynamic, there's so much benefits from it, and, you know, you just have to kind of open yourself up, and the group is very receptive to that as well, so that's been been great. And you're the current vice president of the Delaware chapter? That's correct. I've been the vice awesome. president for about uh, two years, and part of that served as a treasurer for a few years as well. So, And Steve, can I just ask you, you are the expert, you and Barb Simcox, who's also here for the conference, you are the expert on synthetic identity. For our listeners that might not know anything about it, could you explain what synthetic identity is? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Barb and I both co-chair the working group, and, and we've been involved in this space for quite a few years. Um, it's ironic that, you know, we're both from Delaware. You can go figure that. The two uh, synthetic identity bust-out experts, you know, live within five miles of each other. Go figure. Uh, but anyway, so the bust-out synthetic group really focuses on first-party fraud, which the bust-out portion of it is really just running up credit and walking away. And now, you know, what is, quote-unquote, a hot topic of synthetic identities, it's being uh, exploited by a number of vendors because it's the new hot thing, and it's really been around for about 20 years. And you know, now we just saw it really explode in the auto space. It's exploding in the in the CARES Act fraud as well. But it's the basic idea of, of creating quote unquote a Frankenstein identity, what people have called it. Uh, it's using uh, any number of versions of PII, real and fake, to create essentially what I call a digital ghost or digital identity. And it's very popular because it's relatively easy to do. And the best thing about it is that you know there's no one to really rat on you. So you can create these identities and entities, which are businesses, and no one's going to call and complain that my identity has been stolen or someone used my bank account, et cetera, right? It, it's kind of, quote, unquote, a victimless crime. Uh, the banks tend to eat a lot, eat all the losses and or other organizations like in the situation, you know, with the PPP, all those funds that, that are missing are going to, you know, really be a problem for us in the next couple of years. And Mike, I got to say, uh, you know, with my recent career change in the past year, uh, you know, I hadn't had a lot of experience investigating synthetic identities or bust outs. So when I got to my new position there, lo and behold, those were kind of some of the first cases I was seeing. So I reached out to Steve and Barb and, and man, they, they gave me a crash course and kind of gave me that information to get started in these investigations. And then also hooked me up with the support network. I joined the working group. Uh, with them here at the IFCI, and then I also joined another group named Bob Bosi that they introduced me to, and, and like I said, it's taking my investigations to another level. So I appreciate all that you do, Steve. No, absolutely. We, we, we love to do it. Like anything, right? It's work. But if you love to do it, it's, it, you don't think, really treat it as work. And, um, you know, so that Bosi group, yeah, it's a lot of work behind the scenes, but the benefits, again, uh, not just for, you know, myself, but for the group and the IFCI in general, right? It's just, it's an incredible intel platform for us to use. If you need a contact anywhere, any place, any time, people will answer for it. And if they don't have it, they'll find someone else for it. It's just a, it's invaluable to put it honestly. I mean, you can't put a price tag on that one. And, you know, the membership to that is free for the the BOCI working group. So uh, how do you beat free? Uh, <laughs> right. Hey, Steve, can I ask you regarding synthetic identity? I mean, part of the scam is that you need a social security number that's never been used. 
Well, what you want to use is, is a social that preferably has not been used, but you certainly can use deceased or children's or immigrants or, or J-1 or student visas. Uh, if you do use that kind of information, what you want to kind of do is we call tumble. You want to just change a couple pieces of that information, flip-flop a number here and there, use a different address, maybe the same state. Again, the synthetic you know, can and sometimes does involve some true information from somebody else at some point, right? It's the combination of all that together to kind of make a new entity out of that. And the reason, the other reason you want to use, you know, as a as former federal law enforcement, right, is you don't want to use a real social security number because you can be charged with ag ID theft and that's five years mandatory. So if you're going to do this, you want to try to find something that's clean, you know, but the, the reality is this, very, very few synthetic identity threat actors are ever caught. And if they are caught, prosecuting them is extremely difficult to do because you have to prove the intent. And, you know, you could just say, well, I didn't know it was issued to that person. And you basically can defend yourself that way. And Steve, I'm no expert, but a social security number is sort of, it's created based on an algorithm. And, and my understanding is that the fraudsters have social security generators on the internet where you could actually create a totally fictitious social security number. Is that true? Yeah. The origination of the social security number was essentially right for social security, right? It was a nine-digit number that was not intended to become an actual piece of PII. So the SSA, Social Security Administration, really kind of wants to help with this, but they also kind of like, listen, you guys created this problem, the banks did, and not us, right? We didn't really give you that number. So that kind of first change uh, was in 2011, I believe, when they started randomizing socials. So part of that, like you all know, the first two digits of your number kind of indicated where you were born. Uh, the next two numbers kind of indicate the year, but it wasn't going to say like 65 meant you were born in 65. There was another kind of decoder ring to that portion of it, right? And the last four were obviously just kind of randomly generated numbers. But that became really easy to figure out, right? And so uh, now they've become the randomization. And so that really is just as simple as you mentioned, right? It's not deep, dark web stuff. It's surface web stuff. You just Google search it. Um, matter of fact, one of them is called stevemorris.com. And, you know, they have fake name generator. If you're not even creative enough to come up with your own synthetic identity, they'll do it for you. Give you a fake name and then you find a social security number using that information. And then you kind of, kind of, again, anything, you have to kind of vet it out a little bit. You want to make sure it's not there. So you can pay other providers to kind of search it and run a credit inquiry on it to see if it's good or not, right? Because you know, wouldn't that be terrible if you, if you create an identity with a social security number and then you find out it's already been used by another fellow guy and it, it's no good, right? <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Hey, Steve, can I ask you one more question regarding synthetic identity? I mean, we, Mark, this could be an hour-long show. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. But, Steve, what is a CPN? How does it relate to synthetic identity? Yeah, so a CPN is a consumer protection number. It's, it's well, first of all, it's illegal. Uh, and, and what it is, it's, it's being uh, you know, sold and marketed by a lot of uh, groups or, or certain areas of the country, in particular uh, you know, down south, through the religious uh, sector, you know, really trying to help people who have had a bad experience with credit, right? And so some people, at some point, right, a marriage, a divorce, medical bills, et cetera, right, you know, they got in a bad spot and their FICO or Vantage score took a hit, right? And so they're looking to obviously get an apartment or get a job, and credit now is, it plays a part uh, in almost all your life, right? And so if, you're, if your Vantage score is like a 450 or FICO score is a 450, right, it's really hard to get a job. It's really hard to get car insurance or get an apartment. See, people are just trying to like fix their lives, and they don't really know what they're getting themselves in. They're they're basically being scammed, 
they don't typically have a lot of money, but yet they'll pay you know eight hundred to a thousand dollars for a CPN, uh, referred to them as credit repair, right? And they'll essentially get a new nine-digit number, and they're told it's a CPN, and they should only use that CPN when they're dealing with financial matters. If you are going to the doctor, if you're going to you know, obviously use any other government subsidy, you want to use your original Social Security number. But this one's only for your financial sector. Some will also say that if they've been a victim of identity theft, that you can get a CPN because you're now a victim of identity theft and your old number is, uh, is no longer, you know, it's exposed and it's valid and it's scary, you know, and which I kind of laugh at because I have verified this with the SSA is that the only time you're ever given a new social is when you go in witness protection program. That's the only time. <laughs> so, so a CPN is not witness protection. Uh, it is just a number that is sold uh, like anything else, unfortunately, to people who sometimes are not the most financially intelligent, um, but just then they're just trying to do the right thing and they just don't realize that it's a, a real problem. And Steve, can you explain to us how once a synthetic, you, know, you have a social security number, you have a name, a date of birth, associated address, how do you actually get credit from that? If, if it's never been issued by somebody, yeah. uh, how, how does it turn into a credit process? Yeah, it, it takes a little time, a little patience, but it's, it's really as simple as this. You know, once you have your identity created or your, your basic information, um, you need to get yourself on what I call a novelty ID, right? So we were all 20 and 19 at some point and may, have, may or may not have had a, a doc. A, I don't know identity. what you're talking yeah, about, Steve. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, we, everybody knows where to get those, right? Or, again, it's very simple. You can get them, pick them off of Reddit. You don't have to go, again, deep, dark web to get this stuff. A lot of it's surface web. You know, you can find it at Reddit. You can find it on, on Twitter, et cetera. And then so you have this, you know, with COVID, it became actually a little more difficult because everything went uh, kind of online. And, you know, I created my three synthetics for research purposes. You know, I got my identity. I got my information. And I went to a store that's headquartered in Minneapolis during Christmas time. And basically we went to purchase an item and the first thing they said is, would you like to say 15% today? And I said, I would love to in rapid credit, right? And so there, what I'm doing is feeding that data into a rapid credit through a point of sale terminal. And the cashier doesn't know anything. She's gonna get paid 10 bucks to get every credit app she can, right? So she's not gonna care if a big bird standing in front of her as long as she gets the $10. And all I'm doing there is just putting the data in there and I'm pushing that to the bureaus and the bureaus are going to come back and say, wait, we've never seen this before. Like this is not new, but they record it. And that's, that's the beginning of things. So I'm probably going to get declined, you know, because I'm not there yet, but I keep doing that two or three, four or five times. Just like when we were all 18 again, at some point in time, you applied for credit, right? You know, for me, it was in college uh, and I lived in MBNA's old backyard when it was MBNA, right? You know, they were the affinity marketers, right? So I got myself a nice big blanket and a 94% interest rate, you know, and a $500 credit line when I was 18. You know, same thing happens here. So I would just keep using my synthetics and eventually somebody says, here's the $500 credit line. And that's when you're off the races. So and you just, once you get that, you kind of have to mature that and nurture that a little bit because you don't want to go max it out, you know, right away. You, you want to start building other features around it, you know, creating, you know, Facebook accounts and LinkedIn handles. Um, and one of the biggest things out there, you know, not to give the playbook to commit synthetic identity fraud here, you know, but you need to act like a real person. So that means reward accounts. That means posting on social media. That means, you know, believe it or not, trying to create other synthetics that are relatives because that's one of the first things we all look at as bad guys, right, is is there a relative to the synthetic? Um, and if there's nobody there, then you probably think this is a synthetic. 
Wow, Steve, that's a lot of great information. Hey, Steve, you've done some presentations already this week for our conference, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've actually busy. finished four. Uh, wow, so this is four and a half, actually, I believe. Awesome. We appreciate so, that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's a privilege to do it, right? And that's the best thing about it is, and when you get to present, it opens up other networking doors, right? So you, you become recognized as an SME, right? And people come to you, and you at the end of every session, you guys present as well, right? It's business card, business cards everywhere. Right. You know, and it's sort of like, uh, you know, you spend probably half of your career learning your profession, your job, your skills, and then usually the second half you're trying to pass it on to the next uh, generation. So that's another cool thing about the IFCI is, you know, as Mike and I have been around the block a few times, uh, and like I said, as we get older, it's it's really, you know, a joy for us to be able to share some of the experiences, the things that we've learned from others, and, and pass that down to the new investigator. So we appreciate what you do for that, Steve, as well. Thank you. Well, Steve, we wanted to thank you for coming on today. We hope you enjoy the rest of the conference, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you next year, right? We're going to see you next year. Oh, absolutely. Year. I'm looking National forward to Harvard, next year. Maryland. National Harbor. Yeah, he said working. he's going to do five presentations nice. next year. Yeah, but, <laughs> nice. but I expect double my pay. We'll get you two IFCI pens. <laughs> All right, Steve, thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great way. All righty. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Protectors. We will see you real soon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.